We have been talking these weeks about who we are becoming, who we are becoming as a church family. And every uh, organization, every team has a mission or a goal, right? For instance, the Kansas City Chiefs today have a goal. They have a mission. It's a very clear mission, and they've been thinking about it all year long, and they have this goal, and they will be attacking that goal uh, today. There's a, another new coach in town over here at the world headquarters, and he's been very clear about what his goal is, not just one championship, but multiple championships, right? Every team, every organization has a goal. Steve Jobs, Apple, very clear. We want to produce the best, the simplest, the sleekest uh, computers in the world. Um, Clear, tangible goals. And we've been talking about what is our goal? What is our mission as a church family? And we've said for several years now, I think since uh, 2016, that our mission is to center lives on Jesus Christ. And we're going to center our lives on something, but we believe that life finds its meaning and its purpose uh, as we center our life on Jesus. And that is another way of saying the passage that we've looked at for the last few weeks, which has been called the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Okay, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus gives us these marching orders. He gives us this commission, our mission statement as his followers, as, as his people. And the mission statement that Jesus gives us in Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples. Make disciples, and then as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, of all nations. And he gives us some specifics about that right there in those verses. But the main imperative, the main command is make disciples. And we've said that the word disciple, if we're going to make disciples, we kind of need to know what a disciple is, right? And the word disciple just means learner or student or follower, okay? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. And last week I gave you a, a... a definition of making disciples, and that is just this simple definition. Making disciples means helping others follow Jesus, okay? Making disciples means helping others follow Jesus. So even if you've just met Jesus, you're a brand new baby Christian, you can begin the disciple-making process by just repeating, by just sharing with others the Jesus that you know, the Jesus that you've met. So disciple-making is not the job just of a pastor or elders or people that work at a church or uh, just the missionaries that go across waters, but disciple-making is the job of every person that's followed Jesus. That's our job, to make disciples and to make disciples who will make other disciples. And so there's some specifics In Matthew chapter 28 there, after he says make disciples, he says make disciples, and he gives us the extent, make disciples of all nations. But then he gives two uh, participles, two things that discipleship uh, immediately means. And the first of those is make disciples, and those disciples need to be baptized, Jesus says, right? Make disciples, baptizing them, 
in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So one of the first steps of disciple-making, one of the first steps of being a disciple is following Jesus, but following Jesus also in baptism, where we are put underwater as an identification, as a sign of our identification, our union with Jesus. We baptize those who are followers of Jesus. Baptism is the initiatory, one-time sign of someone following Jesus. I mean, typically, you're just baptized once. Now, I know there's some exceptions, and some of you were baptized as infants, and then you got baptized another time later when you got older. But generally, okay, generally the rule is you're baptized once, and that's it. You're baptized into the family of faith, and you don't get baptized over and over again. But the next description of disciple-making that Jesus says is you're baptized. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son. But then the second thing is you teach them to observe all that I've commanded you, right? Now, if baptism is the one time and initiatory, like you do it one time and then you're done, the next part of simple teaching is not that way. How often are we taught? Do we just kind of come to faith, we're taught about Jesus, and, and then we're done? No. We're baptized, and then that initiation is over. But this teaching aspect of disciple-making goes on and on forever. We're taught to observe all that Jesus commanded. And it's a observing, it's a learning, it's a being taught that never ends. When you're a student of Jesus, okay, you never graduate from the school of Jesus, Pretty much every other school you enroll in, thankfully, there's an end date, right? Wendy's smiling over there. She just completed one. But you get into a school and you hope to graduate. You begin to follow Jesus. There's no graduation day, okay? Now, Jesus is going to come back. And our apprenticeship, our learning in the new kingdom will be different than it is now. Because at that point, we'll, be, we'll all be, guess what, A-plus students. Some of us are looking forward to that, right? We've never been A-plus students in our life. Right now, we're fumbling through. But when you become a disciple of Jesus, you are enrolled in a school that you never graduate from. It's ongoing. We are constantly, always learning until the day we die or until the day that Jesus returns, we're in the school of discipleship with Jesus. Now, last week, I introduced uh, to some of us for the first time this concept of what I called holistic discipleship, okay? Holistic discipleship. And, and some of you had kind of your eyebrows went up and are like, holistic, what is this holistic thing? Uh, Come on now, this, this, this word holistic, some of you, particularly, you know, ones in certain age demographics are like, you know, this sounds like something, you know, hippie, you know, kind of granola-eating, holistic kind of people, you know, uh, people that shop at Whole Foods and stuff like that, and they're real kind of granola, you know, Eastern idea, all right? What's, why use this this word holistic, okay? Now, holistic may have uh, 
some various definitions to it. Okay, hang with me. But here's, here's what I mean when we talk about being a holistic disciple. I'm not talking about some, you know, crazy, hippie, you know, Eastern idea. I'm actually talking about what I think is a very biblical idea. In fact, although, let's, let's say this real fast, okay? Christianity is not a Western religion. Let's just admit that, okay? It's actually an Eastern religion, you know? Jesus didn't grow up in Collin County or in the Americas. Christianity is, first of all, an Eastern, a Middle Eastern religion. And so if this idea of holistic discipleship is Eastern, okay, it's Eastern in a positive way. In fact, in the Old Testament, there was this word uh, that rabbis used a lot called shalom. And shalom is often, most often translated peace. And this idea of peace in the Hebrew understanding, the Hebrew scriptures was this idea, not only of the absence of conflict, but it's this idea of, of, of things being together, integrated, whole, healthy, you might say. Shalom is togetherness, it's wholeness, it's peace. It's not disintegration, but it's integration. It's that God is gonna bring his shalom, his peace to our lives and his wholeness to fragmented societies and fragmented kingdoms and divided people, there's gonna be shalom, peace. And so when we say uh, that disciples need to grow up to be holistic disciples, we are meaning that all of life, our whole lives are centered around Jesus. That there's no closet or compartment to our lives or secret glove box where we're kind of hiding something from Jesus. But all of our life is brought under the lordship of Jesus. And, and he has called us to follow him completely, holistically, or you might say totally, comprehensively, all-encompassing, multidimensionally. Is that a word? Uh, but I, I'm, those are all synonyms, okay, of this idea that we follow Jesus completely with all that we are. And last week I showed you a picture of a guy who's been at the gym, but he hasn't been working out holistically, okay? Remember this guy? Yeah, he skipped a leg day a time or two. And maybe you've seen uh, this guy at the gym but this is not a holistic approach to health, is it? I have a friend that, man, he's a big dude, uh, really big dude. But man, there's just no cardio in this guy's life, okay? I mean, he can, he can bench press some numbers, but if he's got to run around the track, he's going to fall and have a heart attack because the dude is big, but he's not healthy holistically, okay? And when we talk about holistic discipleship, we're, we're saying there's no chicken leg kind of discipleship. There's no chicken leg following Jesus. He has called us to follow him and to be healthy or to be whole in every part of life, right? 
So some of us, I mean, we go to church and it's kind of like chess day. You know, we like the parts that we like. And so we're going to get on the bench press or we're going to come and be in a Bible study three times a week. But we're not going to share our faith with anyone. That's neglecting your legs, right? That's like bench pressing every day, but not doing legs day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and worship. I'm going to be in 40, you know, jillion Bible studies, but I'm not going to know my neighbor's names. I'm never going to share my faith. That's not following Jesus completely. And so, to, back to our Great Commission, right? Matthew chapter 28. What does he say? He says, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey how much? All. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And that's Jesus saying, Everything that's in here, is for, is for you. It's got your name on it. You know, what we typically like to do is, or maybe it's just me, um, is underline those verses that we like, right? <laughs> Not the ones we don't like. We like to underline those verses that we like. And Jesus is saying, everything that I've commanded here uh, is for you. Now, it can be summarized simply, and we talked about this in previous weeks too, with two simple commands. Remember when the Pharisees came up to Jesus and they said, what's the greatest commandment and how did Jesus answer them? He said, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. All of this, all of the Old Testament, Jesus is saying, it can be summarized if you just love me and love others, that's the essence of it. Everything hangs on those two. But even look at those two commandments. Even look at that first commandment. Because there, Jesus is talking holistically as well, because he says what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Not just with your mind. And not just with your soul, but with your mind and with your soul and with your heart. And then in Mark, he says, with your strength, even with your physical being. In all these different ways, love God completely. Love God holistically. And so some of us love the mind aspect. Or some of us love the worship aspect. And Jesus is saying, no, love me in total. Let me give us another uh, way the Apostle Paul, I think, emphasizes this. 1 Timothy 4.16. 1 Timothy 4.16, uh, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Now, what does Paul not say here? He, he doesn't say, hey, watch your theology closely. Oh, he does say that. But that's not all he says, right? He says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. What you believe matters. 
but also how you live. Your life matters. So following Jesus isn't just some ethical command. It's just not some moralistic philosophy. Hey, live life in kind of this way. And it's not just some doctrinal thing or this theological exercise that's separated from your life. It's holistic. Paul is saying, follow God and watch closely what you believe as also what you believe as well as how you live. And what you believe will affect how you live. And how you live, guess what? How you live affects what you believe. They work together. So I was uh, reading some things that, you know, nerdy pastors read a couple weeks ago, and it was about, like, a church controversy in the 1920s in the Presbyterian Church. And in the 1920s, uh, this what I would consider this liberal theologian, a guy by the name of Henry Emmerich Fosdick, it's uh, a great name, isn't it? Uh, Fosdick said that the thing that was affecting the Presbyterian Church in this 1920 split was these two different camps within the Presbyterian Church. One that said the most important thing is that you be doctrinally accurate. And another camp that said the main thing is that you have an experience of God. And these two wings of the Presbyterian church broke because they couldn't harmonize those two things. And what does the Apostle Paul say? Watch your life and doctrine. It is both a doctrinal understanding as well as an experiential walk with God when we follow Jesus. It's both and. Watch your life and doctrine closely. And then finally, let me take you to this one. And this, this, this morning, okay, let me just admit this. This morning is more, uh, is less of an exposition of scripture and more of an argument, uh, if you will, for a philosophy or a theology of discipleship. Okay, I get that. But bear with me here, okay? Watch your life and doctrine closely. Also, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Many of you will know this verse where Paul says, What does he say? He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, what do we offer as a living sacrifice? Our bodies, and that's Paul's way of saying your whole life. Not just your mind, but your whole life. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now, your mind is important. And he's, in fact, he's going to go on in verse 2. We don't have it here, but he's, he's going to say, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. So in verse 1, you have body, and in verse 2, you have mind. But in Paul's understanding and Hebrew understanding that day is that this, this is a unified person. And when you place your body as a living sacrifice, you're saying, God, I'm all yours. I'm not a dead sacrifice, but I'm a living sacrifice, but all of me belongs to you, God. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of you. And he says, all of you, all of me. He doesn't say, go get that favorite, you know, canine of yours and offer him as a sacrifice. We're not doing animal sacrifices anymore. Or feline, you know, we, we could all offer that sacrifice easily. Just kidding. Uh, shouldn't have gone there. 
doesn't say offer something else. It says offer yourself. You live sacrificially for me. All of you. Not just in what you drive, not just in the money that you give, not just in your time, but you offer yourself. Not something else, but offer yourself as a living sacrifice. That's what he's called us to. To follow Jesus fully, completely, all of ourself for all of God. Now, this morning, what I want to do, and I introduced this a little bit last week, but what I want to do this morning is just to outline four areas, okay, of holistic discipleship, okay? Four areas or four aspects of what I mean when we say holistic discipleship, okay? And we'll, we'll spend the bulk of our time uh, on the second and the third and just go on the first and fourth one uh, pretty quickly, okay? When we talk about holistic discipleship, we're, we're talking about growing biblically, we're talking about growing emotionally, we're talking about growing spiritually, and we're talking about growing missionally, okay? And again, I'll spend the bulk of our time here, the remaining time that we have left, oh my goodness, the remaining time we have left, uh, on the middle two, okay? Biblically. And this is first, okay, for intentionally, for a reason, because the Bible informs, okay, everything that we do. And I don't think this is a surprise to anyone here if you've been around Centennial Church at all. But to grow as a disciple, we have to be people of the Word of God. Do you know the Word of God? And, and our, our hope is not just to present the Word of God at kind of the lowest common denominator, okay, in a really self-help kind of way, but to really develop as disciples of Jesus who have a biblical worldview, who are explicitly theological, like we understand what God has revealed in Scripture, and we learn it, and we study it, and we apply it, and we soak it up, that we're, we're biblical people and, and growing as Bible people, okay? That's always been a foundation, and that's, nothing's changing about that. Nothing's going away about that, but to grow as biblical, theological people. No surprise there. Secondly, grow as emotional people. Discipleship also has this emotional component to it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I, and, and there I think Jesus is getting at these, these heart issues, if you will, of our life. That's not just where our relationship with God remains in our head, but it's getting to these heart issues of our life and it's bringing the truth to bear on our relationship with ourself, knowing ourself, okay? This is not psychobabble here, but, but understanding ourselves, understanding emotionally how we're relating with other people, which affects how we parent our children, how we relate to our spouses, right? We can't wall off our marriage from the Lordship of Jesus. And Jesus wants us to grow in our relationship, our understanding of ourselves, our understand our relationships with other people, as well as that often kind of complica complicated relationship we have even with our family of origin or people that we've been married to previously or whatever, and we've got some wounds, some scars, whatever, some baggage. That's under the Lordship of Jesus. God wants to work 
in those areas. And if we constantly have friction in our relationships and there's something that, that God wants to shine the light on and bring healing to emotionally or we might say relationally, right? How many of you will know that uh, anxiety and depression is a battlefield where I've battled in my own adult life? And that's an area where God wants to bring truth and healing and wholeness into my own personal life. And I think for all of us. The last, it was a, almost a year ago, last February, uh, while I was on sabbatical, that Elizabeth and I attended a training uh, in New York, actually, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And that uh, book, that training, that emphasis has a, had a profound effect uh, upon me personally, as well as how I've come to view or tweak the whole idea of discipleship and what it means to make disciples that are really all out, wholly devoted followers of Jesus. That that stuff that's maybe not that fun to talk about, maybe that stuff that's kind of deep hidden, needs to have the truth of Jesus brought into it and worked out, rubbed out uh, in some pretty profound and necessary ways. And I've talked about this in the past, but our hope uh, in this calendar year, 2020, is to begin to roll out some of the curriculum and some of the discipleship classes of emotionally healthy spirituality, okay? Because again, it's life and doctrine. Doctrine and life. We want to be healthy, biblically, theologically, and if we're really reading our Bibles right, then that truth comes to bear on our hearts, our hurts, and our relationships with others and all those kind of hang-ups, right? Biblical, emotional, thirdly, spiritual. Oh, spiritual. Well, Ross, I mean, aren't we ta- we're talking about that all the time, right? Our spiritual lives. And a lot of times we think, of, we, we put it in that category. I've got my, you know, my physical life and I've got my spiritual life. Or I've got my professional life and I've got my spiritual life. Well, that's not the way the Bible and that's not the way Jesus talked about life. At all is spiritual. But let me tell you what I mean here by spiritual. Okay, this is the way, here's the way I'm using the word spiritual in this context of holistic discipleship. I mean primarily two things here. Number one, I mean being attuned, being attuned to the Holy Spirit. Like the third person of the Trinity who indwells us, who has gifted us who guides and leads us. If we're going to follow Jesus, he has given us a counselor, the Holy Spirit of God who indwells us, who we are supposed to walk in step with the Spirit. And so I want to ask us, I want to ask myself this morning, are we taking the Bible seriously 
with what it says about the Holy Spirit? Are we walking attuned to and in step with the Holy Spirit? I think we have some room to grow in this area. I think I have some room to grow in this discipleship of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are already getting uncomfortable. So let me make it even more uncomfortable. The second thing I mean, when, no, uh, the second thing I mean about spirituals is, is not just listening to the Holy Spirit, not just walking in a deeper fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The second thing I mean about, about spiritual is this. The reality of spiritual warfare. Do we believe and do we live like there's a war out there? I'm not talking about a war with Iran. I'm not talking about some physical war. I'm talking about a spiritual war that there are angels and there are demons and that we have an enemy, Satan, who wants to devour us. And I've become convinced that in this day and even in this area where there are now temples to false gods, and idol worship that's happening, that the spiritual warfare that is happening in this day and in this place is probably increasing or at least changing in different ways. And I'm not, so there's spiritual warfare and I feel like it has become even more apparent to me over the last months of this reality of the war that we fight. And I'm committed in some time within 2020 to do some more teaching or a sermon series of sorts as we kind of delve deeper into this area of spiritual warfare. Oh, and by the way, uh, the false gods and the idols in Frisco aren't just at the temple over on Independence. There's also some idols, you know, in other areas. They may not be statues, but they're things that we worship. There's things that have our attention, that have their hold on us. But I'm convinced that we're really going to take the Bible seriously. I have to take the Bible seriously about what it says about the Holy Spirit and what it says about this battle that rages in the cosmos and the heavenlies with authorities and principalities of the air that we don't see, but yet are real. talk a little bit more as we look at a passage about that next week. Finally, number four, missional. And I'm going to give a whole message on this next week, okay? Uh, But this is the idea that we're not just making disciples in here, but we're making disciples out there, that there's unsaved, unchurched folks that, that we haven't been great about reaching our neighbors or the people that we work with. We're pretty good on teaching the scriptures and we're pretty good on, on loving one another. But in terms of effective mission and outreach and people coming to know Jesus, we got some work to do. And so we need to grow as disciples, as missionaries, each of us, reaching our neighbors and the nations. Because Jesus said, come follow me. And then he put a period on the end of that sentence? No, he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you follow me, you'll be a fisher of men. But I I don't know that we're really catching many fish. 
We need to grow as biblical people, as emotional people, as spiritual people, as missional people. And I'm not suggesting that all four of these areas encompass all of the holistic discipleship. But for this morning and for this season right now, that's kind of the way we're thinking about it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There is no area of my life closed off to the lordship and the truth of Jesus. So in closing, I want to ask you two questions. Two questions to think about this morning as we respond and worship and at the table this morning. Number one, how might you tend to compartmentalize your faith? How might you tend to compartmentalize your faith? And then secondly, of the four areas that we kind of delineated this morning, which is the most challenging to you and why? Where do you tend to compartmentalize your faith and which of the four areas delineated this morning is most challenging to you? Just take a moment right now and think about that and then I will pray for us. God, we come to you this morning and we confess that we love you, but we do not love you as we should. We do not love you in total, completely, as you are so deserving of, God. And though it scares us and challenges us, we ask, Lord, that you begin to show us deeper and more total ways in which we can follow you and live our lives in total abandon to the Lordship of Jesus as we follow him here at this time and in this place. Holy Spirit, we ask you to tap on our hearts where we need to feel your conviction and open up doors of our lives that have been closed off to where you would like to bring healing and wholeness. We ask it in the name of Jesus.